I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Meets Spirituality. We believe in personal growth, lots of growth through business and life success. Really, it's just 200%, right? It's really the inner world, it's the outer world. It's growth, it's surrender, it's acceptance, it's all of those things. You know, we've been having a lot of conversations around um, wealth uh, in our in our organizations because I think, you know, anytime there is a market um, correction in any industries, even though some of the numbers show that, some of the numbers don't, there is certainly a pullback, if you will, on spending. I think it's a great time to, uh, whether you're listening to this as an individual or you have an organization or have the opportunity to influence an organization, I think wealth conversations are really important right now. There's a tremendous amount of techniques. There's there's courses you can get online. Just to have some conversations around it so people have energy. We're going to talk specifically today about two things. One, the CEO, which we'll get into in a second. Not the actual CEO, but um, we'll get into the CEO. Uh, and also, it's it's about, um, I'm just going to make a qualifying comment. Until you fundamentally understand uh, what the difference between rich and wealth is and that you're really experiencing it and actually living it, it's going to be very difficult for you to make really structural changes in your life. Because you could give, I was talking to Greg yesterday about this, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. my advisor, and he did a call for us in Project U, and he's worked, he works with a tremendous amount of high net worth clients. And he said, though, it's very easy with high net worth clients because they understand the rules of money. They understand money itself. He said, when I was first starting out, it became much harder to try to talk people through more of like wealth, which is really accumulation of assets and savings and what that looks like because they hadn't fundamentally understand the difference between wealth and being rich. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're two totally different things and two totally different concepts. Our world. Right. um, Because we were just talking about like we before you can get mechanical about like what it is to actually build wealth, meaning like where do I invest my money? How does this look like? There's things you can do to kind of get it in there. The, what matters more though is your habits around wealth or habits around money. money yeah. Um, and I always like to use this as two different types of things, which is the money side. Um, you have rich and you have wealth. And rich fundamentally is what you see and wealth fundamentally is what you don't see. Let's mm-hmm. break those down, but just understand. So rich is about, you could have a high income. You could be getting lots of debt, right? It doesn't matter what it is, is you're just spending a lot of money, right? Like you are, or you're spending most of your money. You know, there was a, an updated article in the Forbes that we shared with our project you group. I think, I think it was like 1500 or 2000 people that they interviewed for this. Yes. That were all people making over half a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And they basically said, how much money do you save? And where's all of your money go? And they did this big study and it came out that like the average family, household family, half a million dollars in, in disposable income, right? Pre-tax, but for half a million dollars minimum, they had about six or $7,000 left over at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. This is where people, where they get their tax returns coming up and they go, wow, I made X. Where did my money go? Well, it's because you don't understand where your money went. You don't understand where, what it looks like and where it goes. Fundamentally, I think people didn't, and that $500,000, they did max out their 401k, which I think is like a $36,000. They didn't mm-hmm. do backdoor Ross, but they did about $36,000. They did save some, yeah. but they had $1,200 car payments, two vehicles. They had $1,500 like golf tennis memberships. They've had, you know, $4,000 a month mortgage. I forget exactly what it was, like $3,500 a month mortgage payments. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, it's so funny because some, sometimes we talk about people who you know, live paycheck to paycheck. And the assumption is that they're making not very much money, but then we can, you can still have half a million dollars and still be living paycheck, paycheck to, to paycheck. paycheck. That's exactly right. Yeah. They may have a, yes, that's exactly right. And it's and so that's the difference in living a rich life, right? Which is 
I'm going to spend majority of my income on just increasing my life. Right. And I think, and I don't remember where we, we, this came from, but something about when it riches, like you're only rich until the money runs out. Yes. Yeah. Like, you know, well, it was funny when, uh, when you stop, you stop making income or like it's, yeah. I mean, you see this with NFL players or I say NFL professional football player, Mm -hmm. football, professional athletes Athletes. in general, because they have, they make $7 million a year. And and of course you could have four houses when you're making $7 million a year. Right. And that you've all put 50% down on, you can have four of them, but it's the carrying costs of these things, right? Mm -hmm. That's what people got to get out of there. Um, and so fundamentally, like this rich life is about how much money I can spend, how much debt I can get into, what it's what it's trying to trying to really force expensive experiences for money that you don't really have. Whereas, and again, like the rich life is kind of showcasing or or telling people it doesn't mean all on social media, which I think most people do now. Anyways, they post everything on social media to show, look at this vacation I'm taking, whatever. Some people do actually post it purely for like, I'm just posting it cause it's really cool. But the majority of people are trying to show people where they are, what they're doing, how much money they have, whatever, some element of insecurity there. They're trying to post that on there. Right. Mm-hmm. Of somebody to like that. Um, the second component of it on the wealth side, which is really what you don't see because nobody goes around posting on social media, their bank account balance or their net worth in a building or their, um, you know, their 401k, right? They just, people don't do that because it's boring, right? Mm-hmm. But wealth is kind of boring, right? <laughs> wealth is actually, yes. a, is, is very boring. You know, and we were, when we had Greg on, one of the things he said, he goes, you know, we have a saying in our business, you only need to get rich once unless you screw it up. And most people screw it up. Um, and that's just really kind of fun, fundamentally, like even people that get tremendous amount of money mm-hmm. they screw it up that's why lottery winners are a lot yeah. of times in a worse off financial situation after making who inherit money or well that's a big one right yeah, that's something a, like that. yeah they, they inherit that um which by the way if you ever do have a lot of money like how i have it set up for for my kids they get um health education loan assistance for starting a business and a down payment on their house and that's it they can access for the trust right and everything else from there like and they can only access what the basically what the fruit of the balance is meaning that like you never want to take from your field but you want to produce crops i.e. you want to be able to if you're if you had a hundred thousand dollars in a trust and it was making ten thousand dollars a year you really only want to spend the ten thousand dollars so it's the same thing you never want to sell your hay field but you want to sell the hay right it's the same concept that you can do here um but wealth in gen that's how you want to set up wealth wealth is accumulation of assets is what you don't see um it's it's boring for a lot of things um but yet you actually feel way better well and it (laughs) also doesn't mean that you're not going on those vacations that you want to go on or maybe you don't have or maybe you have this expensive car or whatever but but wealth is more than just that well wealth is a state of mind i'm I'm, so we're talking like wealth is is defining like your inner scorecard but that's uh, it's almost separate from what i want to talk about but i'm talking about specifically when it comes to money how you actually manage your money you're right wealth like as you use the larger term wealth has nothing really to do with money Wealth is how is an inner state, right? But that's let's just move that conversation out. And specifically for today, it's we want to talk about living and how you spend your money, which is rich spending or wealth spending, right? Right. Okay. And wealth spending is designed to build assets. It's designed to basically have unearned income supporting your lifestyle. Um, and to your point, there's nothing wrong with having. If you want to have a plane, like there's nothing wrong with Jeff Bezos having a plane 
or I just use them as an example, he can easily afford it, right? There's nothing wrong with taking a very expensive personal trip is you can afford it. It's just what, because you're, it's still the percentage of your income. They're probably like spending a half a percent of their income, whereas somebody else is spending 50% of their income, right? Like if you think about buying a house, you may have a nice house, but you have zero debt on it and you have the cash coming in to support it. Whereas somebody else goes, well, I need to keep up with that. And I'm going to go finance 80% of my house and have a $4,000 a month payment. And, and now they're living way above their means instead of looking at it and going, well, I could buy half of that. Right. And, st- and have a $2,000 a month payment or whatever it is, $1,500 a month payment and save the other $2,000 every month. Right. It's just, and I think when, when people think about it, it's like people also want to know kind of like where they start. And this is the kind of the CEO mentality here, which is number one for CEO, it's the cut costs, right? The E is earn more and the O is optimize spending. And I, I think when people talk about cutting costs, it's funny because you, you, <laughs> I think a lot of people like, like Remit talks about this, right? Um, who, who really came up with the concept of CEO. So you got to give credit for that. Um, but one of the things he says is like, people always come to me and say, Hey, you know, I want to, I'm going to cut out my, my coffee. And he's like, well, that's what all these finance, personal finance, yes. finance advisors typically say is kind of, you know, cut out your coffee, save your money from your Starbucks. And it's yeah. like, really? And then they go, that's the, he's like, that's the dumbest idea ever because it actually brings you joy. It's not a really large amount of money, right? If it's not bringing you joy, then maybe cut it out. Right. Sure. But like the $5 that you spend is, is sure adds up, but like, why not look at like structurally making bigger changes to going, Hey, what if we downsized our house? What if we stopped going on four vacations and went on two and they actually, we saved a bunch of money. And then you got to live more of your rich life by buying your latte, which costs you a hundred dollars a month. Right. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about rich, like living a rich life in a second, what that actually means in the, in a different context to how I'm referring to it with spending all of your money that you make. I know. I actually think so. we were talking about it yesterday and I was like, I wonder if this is confusing. Maybe we need to call it like how to w- live your wealthy life, life or yeah. something. Like- how to spend money within your means, whatever, basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Because the rich can be confusing because we want people to be living this wealthy life and be conscious about where they're spending their money to maximize their to maximize their investments, to maximize their money, but also maximize their joy. Yeah. Well, Remit calls it like living your rich, rich life. life. Yeah. That's the book. He, but he, like he wrote, wrote like, yeah. but part of that whole thing is that like, it's the, so the, in, so we're on rich, this con- not in terms of money, like rich, rich in terms of fulfillment. Fulfillment. Exactly. Yes. That's a good way. Rich equals fulfillment. Not yes. how much can I spend? Correct. Cause I'm making money. Rich right? not in terms of money, rich terms of fulfillment. fulfillment. And that's what he says. Like a lot of people really enjoy their latte or really enjoy having flowers delivered, right? Whatever yeah. it is. In fact, if most people actually pause for a second and actually, actually think about your rich equal fulfillment type life, like that rich life, mm-hmm. it's most likely not these major, th- it's not a helicopter or like a, like a plane. It's probably, honestly, it's probably not even like this gigantic house that you want. Some of the, and the somebody could argue like, that's like their dream. I'm not going to ever take anything away from anybody from there. Sure. But in all of the people that we've always sat down and had this conversation with, it's simple things. Like I want somebody to come drop meals off on Monday so I don't have to food prep anymore. Right. I want somebody to, um, you know, come and clean my house once a week or twice a week or every day. Right. Depending on your income level, you can actually afford. I want somebody to clean my vehicles. Right. I want to be able to buy, you know, fifteen thousand dollars worth of skiing gear every year. Right. It's maybe maybe <laughs> mine right there. But like, right. I want to I want to be able to spend a certain amount of money on certain gear and you kind of allocate the whole thing. Um, 
And then you start to realize that the things that really bring you a lot of joy with money, using money, because we're talking about it that way, um, are probably smaller, more everyday type conveniences for a lot of these I think things. Most of, I think the best way to describe them are, the, are, the, are that they are mostly like everyday mm-hmm. type things. Like even if they, even though they might seem a little bit on the more expensive side, yeah, they're still just about every, it's not taking like one trip to Europe or something yeah. like a six month trip to Europe. That's not people's rich life. It's generally, you know, it could be by the way, it, 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 yes. it very it well. If that, be. if that's your thing every year, like we take two weeks yeah, that, okay, with our enough. entire family and that's what we do. And we don't take any more vacations. That's awesome too. Yeah. Right. So I just want to put that comment in there, yeah, I know, I get it's it, but, hard to, but you're yeah. right. Majority of people, that's not it. Right. That's it's why like, my point I, I just saying. want to go out to a really nice dinner once a week with my spouse and we want to get whatever bottle of wine we want. That's exactly right. And I have to think about it. Yeah. That's an example. Like you're going out with your partner. Partner. You don't want to have to look at the menu. You want to be able to spend whatever you want and mm-hmm. be able to buy whatever it is that you want. Though I think like a Miami bottle of wine, which is a twenty dollars, is probably better than I've had like fifteen. What kind of bottle of wine? Miami. Have you ever had Miami? No. Where have you lived? Um. Well, clearly not in the same place yeah, as you geez, have. Where I mean, are you getting? Everywhere. Where are you getting this bottle? It's of wine? everywhere. It's Miami. It's like a twenty-one dollar bottle of wine. By I've the way, I've never heard of that brand. Well, you're. It's probably the most popular is it a, brand it's in Pinot the Noir, U.S. I'm assuming. Yes, it is a Pinot Noir. Yeah. Um. But anyways. Well, my favorite is Nineteen Crimes, and that is like a. On the high end, it's like a fourteen dollar bottle of wine. Yeah, and if you get it on sale, it's like <laughs> nine it's like nine nine bucks, awesome. and it is a great bottle of wine. Yeah, and, and Sarah and I love Miomi. Like again, it's like twenty dollars. It's a great wine. We were in France, and we, as you know, we did this big wine tour, and we were tasting like. I don't know, twenty thousand dollar bottle of wines or something along those lines. I mean, really expensive. What even, even lo- makes a twenty thousand well, dollar bottle? Well, it's the it's the duration that they sat in there, and it was part of this tour. Was it from like the sixteen hundreds or something? I don't remember how long this. But honestly, it wasn't even, it wasn't even good. <laughs> I actually didn't even like it. Yeah. Like it was too smoky. It was too old. Like it was, I'm not, I'm certainly not a wine connoisseur, but like it was, it, I, we looked at each other and we're like, where's my Miami? Yeah. And then the thing is, there's always all these tests that have all done about wine, right? It's kind of, we're talking about wine right now. Most people actually can't determine oh, yeah, whether or not. Yeah. There's like, there's, I forget all the different studies that people have done. You but can if you, tell if it's like. Really, I can tell cheap, it's like under yes. like an yeah. eight dollar bottle or ten dollar. I'm like, all right, but you get what I'm saying. You yeah, take a twenty yeah. or thirty dollar bottle of wine for the most part, or even fifteen dollars and up. Like it's hard. They, they did all the taste tests. People yeah. thought they were wine. Like it, it's very for the average per person that's drinking. Anyways, yeah. my point is like so cut costs. That's the CEO optimization here. Like cut costs, which is the cut costs not based on your rich fulfillment life. So if you like getting your latte, if you like having flowers delivered, if you like going to the gym, like somebody asked us like, do I cut out acupuncture and massage? Well, if that's your rich life and you want to do that a couple times a month, that should be where you allocate your money towards. Right. And you can and build then, a budget based on that. Right. And be conscious about what are you spending money on that is just not. That's exactly right. So maybe you don't go out to dinner, but you get your massage, exactly. which by the way, I would love I'd rather do that all day long. Yes, but, as would I. So like, it, that's what I mean. Like you, maybe you, instead of, again, instead of it's the dinner every week, you get a massage every week, which is probably about the same cost, mm-hmm. right? Even for both your people, depending on where you're going. So that's what we mean. You just, so cut costs, but not necessarily your, your rich one. Now, if you're in a situation where it's like paycheck to paycheck, you have to stop that. You may have to cut a lot of those things out, right? Mm-hmm. To get start gaining some resemblance of, of your financial control here. Right, and, and building that foundation, building the habits so that you can start yeah. adding those things back yeah. in. And then the second one would sense. be the E, which is earn more, right? Which is always something. This is earn more in your investments. This is earn more in the money that you have sitting aside. This is earning more. Asking for a raise? That's a big one, yeah, right? Yeah, increase your, just your income, your salary, your if your commission, like... Can you increase your percentage? Can or you is there a side hustle that you can do? Side Whatever. Hustle. Yes. 
um, whatever you're asking, like increasing a fee with your clients or in real estate, right? Like I'm blanking on the percentage that you charge your clients. Like yeah. maybe you're just bumping that up a little bit. Yeah. Or charge a, you know, if it, or working whatever with, it is. Yeah. Working with higher end clients or yes. deals that um, higher average sales price or just higher price point products that you're selling. Here, my, here's my thing. If people really want to go earn more, I'd say most people could figure it out. There's like, always a way yes, to figure out how to make more money. I mean. like, so it's not really, you just have to decide and you may not want to, but like yeah. what I always kind of look for as a starting position when earning more is without adding too much, how can I earn more money? Yes. So I'm not saying like, cause people say that and they go, well, I've got to go build. I can't have time to go, but maybe not. But how do you go, go earn, get another job? How like, do you go earn a thousand dollars more a month? Yeah. Like that. Cause that's a big number. Right. How do you go own a thousand dollars more a month? And then when you earn it, you put it all into some sort of savings or some sort of wealth building component. Yeah, exactly right. Which thousand dollars a month could be a combination of, you know, asking for, you know, a raise. It could be simple as like you could do coaching. You could do how do you make it in like the same amount of time that you're kind of essentially doing with Mm -hmm. it, right? You're not working at all right now, it might be a little challenging. Um, again, like think about how you can earn more. And then optimize your spending and that's like your big one that's where you got to really break down and actually look at how you're spending every dollar and then just figure out ways mechanically to stop spending as much money as you are the first couple things you do here number one is a couple tactics from this is you can get a credit card and put a limit on it so you could say hey i got a thousand dollars a month that outside of like my fixed bills that's all i get to spend i just made a thousand dollars up it can be whatever number that you want the other thing you could do is you could literally take out the the mountain cash so i have a thousand dollars that i'm going to keep into a safe and i'm going to take a couple hundred dollars out each week. And that's the only money that I can spend gas, food out, massage, all that stuff. That's what I spent, right? Those are ways to do that. to help control your cost and what you're doing. The first step in optimizing your spending though, as I said before, which is really sitting down and actually understanding where all of your money is going. Most people that do this exercise have no idea how much they're spending. They always underestimate how much they're spending, right? If they're making 10 grand a month, they somehow estimate they're spending 4,000 and most likely it's probably seven, right? And they just don't realize it. It just sneaks up. They have all these different things that are showing up. And if you haven't noticed every month, it's like, okay, well, I won't need that this month. And you don't need that, but then it's camps. Like we just spent, like we have three kids and it was seven grand for to send all of our kids to camps for the summer, the different camps that they were doing. And that didn't even include the three week one that Sienna's going to, that was seven grand. And it's like 15 grand in camps. And it's like, so it's like, you have all the, you have to budget for these things. Now, maybe you can't send your kids to those things. Right. But like we sat down and budgeted that. I'm like, that's a lot of money to spend for camp. So we got to understand, okay, then maybe that's not, a, maybe that's, we're no longer taking a summer vacation if that's where we're going to allocate our money towards. Right. Mm-hmm. So you just get some level of budgeting that you have to just optimize your spending. And then the other, the real question you can ask yourself, this is, is any of these things that I'm spending on actually bring me real fulfillment and joy. And I would, I would, argue that the majority of what you're spending money on doesn't probably doesn't including like you know i'm not gonna tell you know we're not here to tell anybody how to live but like you know your your house is like one of those things that um i think people think they need to have in order to feel fulfilled somehow i've lived in so many different levels of houses my entire life from the 800 square foot house that I grew up in. And I didn't know a lick of difference. Like, right. Like I grew up in there until I was 12 and it, I had a nine by eight bedroom. Right. Like I, again, and people lived bigger and, and worse than that, but it was, it was tiny. Right. And I didn't know I had so much fun. Like I had a total difference. Even as an adult, I've lived in with five kids in our family. I've lived in 1200 square foot apartments. Right. And then I've lived in really lavish homes and I 
honestly, like there's conveniences that are nice that I appreciate, but I never felt any different. Now, if you can afford it and you can have it, then by all means, improve your life. I'm not denying that. If you have the money to do it, improve your life. But a house itself or a car or any of those type of things really doesn't improve the inner feeling that much, if at all, after a period of time. Like Bill Gates walking into his $50 million home, I promise you probably doesn't feel any different inside than you do walking into whatever home you're walking in today. But, but then why does he have the $50 million home? Because he can. Who can. Like he can. He can easily afford it. Why do you have the home you do? Because you don't need your house. From a need standpoint, you don't need your level of house. What you're doing is you're now comparison because you're saying, I can easily afford my house, not you specifically, but yeah, people yeah, do yeah. this. He doesn't need that house. Well, his percentage of what he owes to his overall wealth is smaller than what you do have in your own house. Well, I, I know, but I, I know you've used the example of Bill Gates and I'm just curious. He's like, I don't feel any different. I only use one bedroom. Well, Elon Musk is a great example. But then, so why, why does he still choose? Because he's just playing, having fun with it. Why? Yeah, but it sounds like he doesn't care about it. No, but if you don't still, it doesn't mean you can't have it. it does, he doesn't care about it. I'm not saying he doesn't care about it. He probably likes his house. He probably likes his privacy. Mm-hmm. Right? I actually heard Eckhart Tolle say one thing. He goes, one thing that money can buy is privacy. And I thought that yeah. was actually an interesting way of doing it. It's like, there's nothing wrong with improving your life. Like I'd rather have a really small house with and, no one around me. Yes, that's exactly right. <laughs> than like a huge house, like in a neighborhood. <laughs> yes. Well, we were shopping for, you know, we moved to Stowe. We were shopping for yeah. land right now. And, um, you know, it was more important because Stowe is, it's all about, everyone's all about views. People want views uh, in the mountain. Yes. And I actually would much rather have no view and privacy. That was like, like, a, what, like some woods wood, all wood. around me. And so I can't yeah. see any other houses. Right. <laughs> Seriously. I just yeah. much rather have that all day long. Very much you. like my dad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so that was just, we got really clear on that for, for what it was and it saves money. Cause yeah. everyone from, and plus I'm like, I drive everywhere in the town. Like I see the mountain every five seconds. Everywhere. I'm on it every, every day. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, that's funny. but that's just for, for our sake. But, um, there's nothing wrong with improving your life. There's nothing wrong with having any of those things. Yeah. I feel like this general. Well, here's, yeah. but here's another example of a, you know, one of the richest person in the world, Elon Musk rents a place. Yeah. And he actually, do you remember his whole story that came out where he was going to start build, he bought up like yes. four properties he and he was going to build this house on all four properties. Like compound. Yes, exactly what it was. And then he realized it was going to take like 2% of his bandwidth and he sold them all and he rented a house. Yes. Cause it was just easier. Yes. But he has a plane. So again, yeah. so it was like he's and who knows what so, what that you know houses that he rented. Yeah, whatever. yeah. Or even Steve Jobs had a nice house, but he had no furniture. He, he was never in it. So it's yeah. like it's it's not it's not about the objects, right? It's about actually living within your means. So for mo- those individuals that we're referring to are living way below below the means. Whether he has a fifty million dollar house or he rents a house is irrelevant because yeah. he's below it. If you have the the means to be able to do some of these things, then do it. If that's what's meaningful to you. Right. If you, yeah. if you enjoy that, then you should go do that as long as you can afford it. I'm, I'm sitting there people that the average individual is trying to stretch beyond their means. It's like, right. You can go and get a loan for 50, 55% of your income. Think about that. All of a sudden you wake up every day and 50% of your income goes to your house for just principal interest taxes mm-hmm. and insurance, not including utilities. And then what it was, it was like 33%, another 33% was like, um, it was like all operational expenses for it. It was all like, it was like, I think 33% was household on average okay. is where people spend it from. Yeah. You remember that? Those, those three stats. Are we stats talking about that, that were, four, four there was like, or? no, there was like three stats that, that showed it. it ended up being like, 
it ended up being like 68% of people's income went to housing, transportation, and like supplies, basically. And it was on average, that was everybody, not wealthy people, just on average, it was like almost 70%. So then you factor 30% out for taxes, and you're basically not saving any money. Right. I mean, that's how people were essentially living. And you go take a loan now, and it's 50% of your income. Right. I mean, you're left with, let's just say 30% goes for taxes, state and federal. You have to 20% of your income to now spend on everything else. And you're supposed to save from that. So that's where like, when you think about optimizing spending, right? Like how do you actually set yourself on a situation where you don't have these massive fixed costs, right? That you can do, um, you know, different things with. And that works at every level, by the way, even people that have money, you may have certain things, but you may optimize your spending by instead of buying a jet, maybe you charter. So you know that you can put a fixed amount in every single year and you're not having a fixed expense for a different things, right? Versus having the money and going, I'm going to go buy a $15 million plane and finance it because I can tell everybody I own a plane. Right. It's never a good event. I'm just giving way different examples for things, but it works in every category because again, it's not about how much money you actually have. It's your spending within your means of how much money that you have in the beginning to whether you want to use the term mindset or not. But to me, it is really about like your habits and your mindset around money. And this whole conversation to me is just reminding me that you're right. It does not really matter what people spend their money on. Who cares? Some people love their cars. Some people like, like, massages like yep. whatever but the point being to me anyway that you just need to be really conscious about for you for you yes what is important where do you want your money to go do you want to live a rich life do you want to live a wealthy life exactly um you really can do either you know yeah. there's you can go do whichever one you want but just being really conscious and thoughtful about it and knowing you know weighing weighing the pros and cons knowing what you're sacrificing what you're gaining um, and, uh, and knowing what your, you know, your end goal is, I guess. Again, and that's why optimization and that way, when you build more wealth, the whole goal is to actually start working and start spending less of your income every month, right. Or every year. So the whole goal is if you're spending 50% of your income on all of your things, how do you get to 49% next year? Like, how do you you live on only 40%? Yeah. How do you live on 49? So that comes in from earning more and optimize your spending and cutting costs. Because the whole goal is you figure out what your percentage is at. And who cares? Maybe it's at 99% right now. So all of your money you have, you're spending it on something. How do you get to 95% next year? How do you get to 90%? Yeah. I was going to say we try to live on 50% of our- For everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So then you're- We're probably more like at 60%. But yeah, goal is definitely 50%. And then then from there you can- Is that after tax though? I think you're doing it from after- Are you doing it from after tax or before tax? After- yeah. So then you basically have 40% to save or do whatever yes. else you want with you. That's yes, exactly yes. right. Yeah. Cause yep. I just know like how you, this how things up. Like I don't spend money. Well, that's a, yeah. that's a big difference though <laughs> yeah. because spending 50 or 60% after tax is like spending probably somewhere around 30 to 25% of your pre-tax income. Right. Yes. So you're spending somewhere between 25 and 30% of your pre-tax income. And so people just understand that and hear that difference between what, for what it is. Um, So it's like, so when you're, when you're, so just understand whatever calculation that you're using, like not you specifically, but whoever is you're doing this, you want to say, I'm going to do it after my tax income, especially if you're a W2, that should be very easy, right? Like if you're W2, you should figure out, okay, I make 150 before as a household and after it's 100, great. You have a hundred thousand dollars. How do I live on 50% of that? Mm -hmm. And at a, I also think of it as like, how do you save 25% of your income, your post-tax income or pre-tax income? Wouldn't you, sorry, I'm just like thinking about that. Wouldn't you want to be figuring out how you live on the, whatever the percentage is post-tax? 
for W2 people, but for people that are um, business owners, it's probably different because it's not a, it's not the general rule. It's just either right, way. You just, they have to think about taking the 30% out for their taxes. Exactly. Your taxes are already taken out. But yeah. so if somebody is like, a, I always think of like a business owner's perspective. So it's like 30% should always go out, whether you're right. taking it from your paycheck or taking it from your income, just make sure that goes out some level for f- state and federal tax. Right. So if with it's less, the 70% yeah. that you have left live off of. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever. But remember, so when like when the bank does what they're doing, if they look at 50% of your income, they're doing it on, on post on pre-tax. So mm-hmm. they're doing it like what your gross amount yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. So that's why I was keeping, that's 50% of your gross amount. That's why you take out 30% right. and you're already left with 70. Now you're spending 50%, you only have 20% left. So it's better to actually identify that as like a, a post-tax number. Um and then you can kind of figure that out. And if you're a, a good rule of thumb is if you're an individual that's an owner or sole proprietor or you earn income, commission income, 1099, take like your last five years and then average that out. And that's the number you should use. That becomes like a good number. So if you made, you know, 100, then 500, then 200, then 600, then 400, add up all that and divide it by five. And that's the number you should use on average. Like guess to, to give you to a base basis. Your percentages yes, on to kind of where start you're allocating with money. Yeah. Cause a lot of yeah. people, if they look at the last two years and they had really good incomes, they go, well, I should spend money like this. And then all of a sudden they come in a year like this, that lifestyle won't be supported. Right. So right. it just won't. So remember, so think about it as like, um, you're living a rich life. I'm talking in terms of like spending all of your money and having very little left over, right? There's no judgment here. People live whatever. It's not going to affect me or Hallie. Like, so you just take this and live whatever life you want to live or wealth life, which is you can still live a rich, wealthy life, which is identifying the things that really bring you a lot of fulfillment, joy. You're excited about, um, this fun play with the world, right? It's there to play with you. We have money in our system right now. Who knows? It'll be here in 200 years, but right now it's here. This is part of the mechanics of what, you, what you're playing in in life. Go play in it. There's a lot of cool things you can do. You just don't need any of that stuff. And if you happen to make a lot of money and have a lot of money, I think actually Remit said this one time. And he's like, look, because somebody asked him, they said, well, what about these, you know, what if you're making $50 million a year and do it? He goes, then they can buy whatever Ferrari they want, right? Like that's kind of what he's like. It doesn't matter, like, because mm-hmm. their, their percentage of what they spend is so less than what you're spending. However, he also said, but if you're buying a new plane every year and a new house every year, and all of a sudden you've got now, this is the problem with a lot of people that, 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 that make a lot of money. They end up literally spending $15 million a year, like just on, on just maintenance. Mm-hmm. Having a plane is $4 million. And then you have the, they have a boat. Like, so they buy all these things that cost a lot of money well, you need fixed s- wise. Yes. Yeah, staff, staff. And then you staff have to take care of your properties. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so again, it's never really about the, it's about living on the percentages of your income, right. And, and net worth for those things. And that wealthy is what you don't see. It's, it's boring. It's accumulation of assets um, kind of driving towards that. And then work on this whole CEO concept, which is cut costs earn more. Again, that earn more is how do I earn more, um, which leads into optimizing your spending, which I like to think of optimizing spending is how do I live on less percent every single year? So you're cutting costs and you're earning more, which drops your percentage of what you're leaning on. And how do you keep every year, kind of how do you keep dwindling that down? Hey everybody, before you go, Helen, I wanted to ask you for a favor. As business owners, you understand that reviews and testimonials are an essential part of growing your business and reaching new audiences. Well, from two business owners to another, we would be incredibly grateful if you could support us by leaving a review. It does really help us get the podcast in the hands of other conscious business owners. So thank you.